0: What doesn't kill us doesn't make us stronger. It makes us more creative. Wait, how? Let's find out together. I'm Dr. Marion Piper, and I'm on a mission to uncover what it means to lead a truly creative life. So if you're feeling uninspired, blocked, or just plain lost, welcome home. Hello, friends. It's so good to be in your ears again. Today, today we have such an incredible episode lined up for you. It is... A conversation about the relationship between creativity and mental health uh, that I think you're really going to dig. Uh, it is with the incredible Amy Davies who uh, runs the social enterprise called the Hey Mate Project. I actually did my mental health first aid training with Amy recently which was such an incredible experience and if you haven't done that before or that's something that interests you I'd highly encourage you to put yourself through that course, it was so eye-opening, but that's not what I want to talk about. <laughs> um, Amy and I sat down a little while ago to talk about how Haymate uh, how started, to talk about her journey through um, the creative industries and her background and why she started Heymate. Um, so I'll give you a little bit of an intro to Amy first. So, Amy Davies started her career in sound engineering, amazing, before opening a creative studio. During this time, she discovered the therapeutic benefits of creativity and the unique challenges faced by creative professionals. Amy noticed the lack of medical practitioners with experience in the creative industries. And after working in the health sector and becoming a registered counselor, Amy combined her therapeutic skills with her creative industry experience to create the Haymate Project. This project provides accessible, proactive, preventative, educational, and industry-informed support for creative professionals. Amy is just an absolute delight of a human, and I know you're gonna get a lot out of this conversation, which covers so many different things. So get your coffee, get your tea, go on your walk, get cozy, and let's dive in. Okay, welcome to What Doesn't Kill Us, Amy. It is so lovely to have you here.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm um I'm very excited that we can make this happen. So
0: yeah, yes, as a fellow comrade in the in the fight for um, creative mental health, I think this is going to be a really interesting chat. Um, for those of you out there who um yeah I work in a creative field. Um, who are dealing in commercial creativity, Um, what we're going to cover off today is definitely in line with that. Um, So I thought I'd begin um, just by sort of acknowledging the context of how we met, Um, because I... Yeah, yeah, because I spoke at NoBS conference last October in 2022 uh, alongside the awesome powerhouse human, Andy Wright, who runs a nonprofit called Never Not Creative, another great organization to check out. Uh, and so when I was chatting to him over breakfast one day, uh, he was sort of asking me what I'm about and what I want to do. And then he's like, oh, you've got to speak to Amy at Haymate. And I was like, okay, so like furiously went and Googled and I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. Like such a good alignment. Um, whereas mm-hmm. I think I come at it from a different, um, much more like academic uh, artist lens, whereas you you come in it from the psychology and the counseling lens. So um, just to kick us off for those of um, those people listening who haven't heard of Hey Mate, your business before. What's it all about?
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, that's the that's the number one question, isn't it? Um, so, Heymates, firstly, it's a social enterprise, um, so we're profits for purpose, and we're a mental health and wellbeing organisation that deliver therapeutic support and education to the creative industries. So that all wraps it up in a very neat sentence and it tells you everything, but also nothing about what we do in that sentence. Um, But essentially we are a collective of practitioners, counselors, psychologists, social workers, art therapists, music therapists, uh, mental health first aid trainers, other sort of educators. And we work to support those in the creative industry, so we work across three levels. Um, One is individuals, so that could be anyone within the creative industry community, whether they're an artist themselves, someone that supports an artist, crew, perhaps you're not creative but you work in a creative industry, which there's actually a lot of them who usually get overlooked quite a bit. Um, You could be a trader that plays some guitar on the weekend um, to, you know, like a full-fledged artist, so we can support you with like counselling and other sorts of training mental first aid or um, with, like you were saying, coming from that psychological, psychosocial perspective but with a creative industry lens over the top. So we really focus on those industry-specific scenarios and challenges from like a a personal but also like an industry point of view um and then across the different sectors of the creative industries so you can imagine like it's never ending and I'm always learning about a new sector or new trade (laughs) Um, like once a month at least Um, and then we work with community where we will talk at like conferences or we'll partner with universities different um community organizations and support through um low or no cost training and support webinars all those sorts of things just community education and and signposting you know organizations and resources like ourselves like never not creative um like the arts well-being creative down in melbourne all those sorts of things and then we work with workplaces so we partner with organisations and workplaces of all different sizes from community theatres where they've got three staff to, um, you know, large government body or tertiary education places like NIDA and we support their team to um, have workplace mental health support and education but, again, with that sort of industry lens over the top, which I think is really important um, because I know myself and also from those that i've spoken to you know half of the job we do when we go to talk to someone about a workplace challenge but also like a personal challenge because as creatives we're so into link, um we've got to spend at least an hour of what we do <laughs> and what those sorts of politics and, and systemic issues are before they can sort of get a grasp of the whole thing so it was really important with hey mate that we sort of lead with that so all that hard work is is done for you, so um, yeah. So that's that's what Heymate does, and and it's through working with those larger organisations that we can then um, put those profits back into like our grassroots services, so that community and individual level. So people that are experiencing financial hardship or in between contracts, you know, as creatives. It, it happens, it's part of the gig sometimes, um, they can have that continuous support for low or no cost. Um, yeah, so it's all we can subsidise it and work with those um, community organisations and, and they have the same level of support that the big guys have. So we're uh, entirely self-funded. We don't rely on grants or government body backing or, or donations. So it's, um, yeah, we sort of sit in the middle of the ecosystem and it's a very interesting place to be.
0: Oh, I can only imagine, like, I I, I don't know about anyone else listening, but I just, hearing you describe all of that and knowing that this level of support is out there that is specifically for creative industry people, like, I felt my whole nervous system just like exhale a little bit just now, um, because I think, um, you know, oftentimes the creative arts are so misunderstood, just not even on a... Um, not specifically on a product level because people understand you know what a what a gig is what a show is you know what an art exhibition is but behind that um there's so much happening that is so specific to the creative process and the challenges that go along with that that it's so nice to see and so like it's been a long time coming that this kind of niche support needs to exist so first of all thank you for existing <laughs> so great um, and then the name itself, Hey Mate, which I love. Um, where did that come from?
1: Ah, oh, you know, I go through waves of like loving it and then being like, it act- actually is nothing to do with what we do. <laughs> um, like we should have some sort of creative name that goes along with it. Um, but essentially when we started Hey Mate, sorry, the bin guys there. <laughs> That's Okay. <laughs> i can't um, hear it by the way i can't oh can't it. you oh good yeah. okay yeah um, well, well when i started hey mate um we were starting from like our grassroots level so when we think about that indi- individual level of support um and it was really about how do we start these conversations you know it, like you said it's something that. Is just at the forefront of our industry at the moment um, and it's a conversation I have pretty regularly is like since COVID or since 2019 which has been Heymate started we're now seeing some really lovely organizations, social enterprises, charities as well um, that are sort of like industry and peer-led to make these changes but um, a big part of it was just how do you have that conversation with a, the organisation, but B, also how do you support that friend? And, um, you know, we talk about, like, are you okay day or mental health first aid where you're having these conversations with someone, but it really just starts with that initial, like, acknowledgement of that individual and then, you know, you can go down the different lenses of, like, seeing that person for who they are right there and then. um so, yeah, so that's where Haymate came from. And, like, we weren't sure where it was going to go. I actually started it with a psychologist friend of mine who, um, you know, once COVID hit, it was a really hard time for everyone, and she actually wasn't from the creative industry. So her passion is horses, and um, she got a really wonderful opportunity with horses and um followed that, and, and it it's worked out actually really, really well for both of us. But um, it, I think if it wasn't for her to sort of be like, just do it and make that sort of start, I probably wouldn't have made Haymate. But um, yeah, so it, it was it's that conversation piece and, and it was originally called The Haymate Project. So you might see it under both names um, because we weren't sure how long it was going to go for. You know, it was going to be like a grassroots initiative. We we're going to roll it out one summer and see how it went. And then COVID hit. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, we sort of just grew from strength to strength and, and um, developed services and, and support as needed, you know, with the lockdowns or, or or when we opened and we started going back to work. So, yeah, so Hey Mate is, um, I can never tell, say to anyone, Hey Mate anymore, like a breeding, <laughs> um, which I'm very devastated about because I used it quite a bit. Um, and when people say it to me, I'm not sure if they're talking about, like, agreeing to me or just work um <laughs> and it's like if I had a dollar every time I would be able to buy myself a copy like every day when I'm in the office because we've got a sign and people will walk past and they'll either read it or just you know hey mate <laughs> um and keep walking so um yeah but no so that that's hey mate and that's why we we've come to be in it it's stuck like you said it's sort of just yeah. what what is now so it is what it is um I, I, yeah, I can, yeah,
0: <laughs> I love that you are, but you have the the love and the hate for it because I would imagine um, a lot of other business owners who might be listening probably feel very similarly about their creations um and I think yeah over time there's always this uh nostalgic kind of warmth that grows but yeah especially when um what your your brand name is also a greeting uh that's um both fortunate and unfortunate depending on the circumstance. um so and and I love that Genesis story I love that it started out of a conversation with a friend um but I would imagine there's there's more to your involvement in this project than obviously just seeing a need and meeting it. So mm. what about your background? Where where do you where did you come from and how did you end up here?
1: Oh my gosh. Um don't have to go all the way back to the start but no 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 so
0: <laughs> so I was born Long on a life. Tuesday.
1: <laughs> Friday actually Friday um, okay. In sunny um, <laughs> um, So I guess so as a kid I was never athletic um I skipped on one leg so my mum put me in ballet and that was basically the beginning and end of what you see now so um I was always in the creative industries the art sector through high school um and it was something that I loved um I did a bit of everything and then I left school you know school finished and when I left school it was actually quite a shock for me like I don't think I actually mentally prepared that oh you're actually not going to go back to this support network of really lovely creative activities that you do each week. Um, And you've actually got to go out and choose one and then make a living from it. Um, And so I was going to go do a performing arts degree um, at JMC. And when I went there, I found out you had to audition. And I don't know why, but in high school, I was like, I got to the, I went through like a really shy stage and then sort of that sort of late teens, I felt quite um, confident in my ability and then but it was like once I left school again I was back in that sort of like small fish in a big pond and um, I saw a sound an audio engineering sign and I was like oh that's cool I'll just do that because I don't actually have to audition or like really be creative You're just go to like relax and push some buttons and all that sort of thing now how did I know in the context, in the full context of what that actually is, is that an artist is then giving you their baby and you've actually got to bring it to life? <laughs> um, I don't know if I, if I would have done it, but um, I did it. I found it both really exciting and challenging. I was a 17, 18-year-old girl, very naive in an industry of adult men primarily um, who were also doing the stuff. For me, you know, this wasn't an arts degree of just like really di- diverse group of like 17 and 18 year olds. These were like full adults who are making like a career change or something. So um, it taught me a lot, but I also found that I wasn't, I didn't feel secure in, in the work of itself. Like I didn't find the people or the workplace that I found that represented me in that particular role. Role, um which like at the time I had a really hard t- time reconciling now you know I can I can edit a podcast quite easily you know like I there's skills that I use on a day-to-day basis now so I don't regret it at all but I I then went and did that performing arts degree um at an actual university um which I loved and I met some of my like dearest friends there um but again like didn't really get that like really secure job thing at the end um and so from there I just like I was like oh well I'll just keep trying things until I stick to one of them I went into media and communications and then I got a job at an agency and that was like my dream job like I loved it um I could wear cool clothes and the people were cool and the work was cool and it was amazing um and we did some work in sort of like the interior design property sector, and we worked with a, a very expensive Australian brand who um, I fell in love with, and I decided that I want to go do that. You know, I could do both, and so I I did interior design for a bit, and then, um, essentially what happened was a family member really close to me during that time. You know, I was in I was in my mid twenties, um, got got really ill. Had a really rapid onset mental illness. Um, and I come from a family of, of medical professionals, you know. My mum is a medical professional and she is very honest with like what mental health is, what physical health is, you know. So I thought I had a grasp of what it means. You know, when you're anxious, you've got nerves, when you're depressed, you're sad, and then that naivety of, of your sort of early to mid twenties on top of that. And um yeah, it, it was like a black dog basically came and sat on my couch and, like, followed me everywhere. Um, As far as, like, the stress and the, I guess, just trying to manage everything, caring for someone, but also, you know, trying to pursue your own creative stuff, but I was still working at the agency at the time, and so working at an agency, you've got to be creative. Like, your creative output has to meet the financial remuneration that you're being... Paid each week, um you know, and this was in the sort of early 2010s. So we don't have the conversations or lenses that we have now, um nor do we have the programs and even the stuff that like Andy does with Never Not Creative. Like it's actually, you know, we can look at mental health programs and things like that. It's like, oh yeah, they're ticking the box, but it's actually made such a profound impact on on us culturally in that sector. Um. So, yeah, and I realised that I I couldn't work and maintain my job whilst also having this happening in my life.
0: Mm -hmm. I couldn't,
1: they wouldn't reduce hours. I was, you know, I couldn't concentrate. All those things that you think about when you have burnout, so lack of concentration, really numb to the things that you really enjoy, the creative flow is not there, Um, you're in your head so you're not responding to relationships and conversations the way you should be, so then that can cause some rupture in relationships and us experiencing quite a bit of that at that time. Um, yeah, so I, I I had to leave my job and and focus on getting this loved one well. Um, and then that in turn in, you know, I experienced my first bout of like anxiety, like I'd had pre-show nerves, but I didn't actually know or knew what the feeling of anxiety was. and it was like once you experience it, oh boy, um you can't <laughs> really like get rid of that feeling ever. like you can manage it and and it'll come and go, but like once it's like, it's like once you've had like your most favorite like chocolate or drink or whatever your vice is, like imagine a life without that, like you just can't, right? And that's, that's sort of how it is with me and anxiety We're just sort of we're part of each other now. Um, unfortunately. And, uh, yeah, so I had to manage myself and, um, and my loved one. And then my loved one ended up getting better and, and slowly, you know, I got better as well to a point where I could access my creativity again. and Um, I did a bit of design work and um and just had like a creative studio that I I did some freelance stuff for a few years and I loved it and it was it was great um but then I got to a point where once you see these things within our industry um you can't unsee them so even from like a freelance point of view or or if I was going to like potentially interview for a full-time role at somewhere I could see the I guess the lack of savviness and awareness of this stuff that happens within the creative industries, um, both personally and also systemically, and um, and I guess particularly, you know, we've got to think pre-COVID, there was a lot of that sort of work hard, play hard. If you can't work and deliver your tasks, then you're just not cut out for the industry or that role, and we'll find someone or we'll replace you. Like it's as simple as that. Like um, there's not the awareness and and I guess, understanding of the psychosocial aspects of the roles that we have. So, yeah, so I went and studied counselling and I got a job as a therapy assistant um, and I worked for an organisation for about three years and I loved it and it was really pointy and stuff. It had nothing to do with creative industries. It was, like, families and kids that had really complex trauma and relationships and it just really showed me, like, how good we have it and we just actually have no idea you know unless you're in it you have you, you're not aware and that's not to say that what we experience on a day-to-day basis isn't valid it's absolutely valid but i think when you see young people particularly you don't have a choice in the matter um yeah it just opens a whole different kettle of fish and i loved it and the funding for my role ended um and I was like, right, well, I can see that there's these things that are happening in the creative industries. And um, although I was sort of giving support to friends, family network on like a casual basis when they needed, or they'd call me and be like, hey, do, is there a helpline or is there something that's happening? And Fortunately, there were things like the Arts Wellbeing being collective that was in its sort of early years. Um, Support Act was there. They didn't have the funding that they have now, but they still had some level of support available. Um, But there really wasn't something that was, like, inclusive and I guess in-depth and I guess for for creatives. The way we're modelled is so specific um, because I've seen the challenges that charities can have when it comes to funding and, and programs can only be delivered for a certain amount of time and and all that sort of thing so yeah so from there um like I said my my friend that is a psychologist pushed me into sort of creating it and I was like right well I'll just you know I'll put together this program and then we'll see how if we can roll it out during like the summer we'll see how it goes for a year and then um know i can do some casual work on the side and then wrap it up or it might be something yeah. that we do yeah. for a couple of months each year and uh covid hit <laughs> um that march and then um yeah and then i guess mental health in the creative industries sectors it blew up in our face it was on the news um and yeah and then it just sort of went from strength to strength so it was best and also the worst thing that could happen to us Um, but it really did the legwork in the messaging and the cultural change that we needed that I think if it hadn't I would still be having the hard slog of trying to push that messaging today so
0: yeah. Yeah. When it comes to creative projects um, first of all before I get into that thank you for sharing like what a what a like beautiful journey and quest through you know, you know, a life, a very, very creative life. And so I'm so grateful that you're here and that you're doing the work that you do. That's number one. Number two, number two, um, in the world that we live in now, it is so easy. And I know Andy talks about this a lot. It's so easy Mm -hmm. for us to, to force the blame and the responsibility onto the individual person to, really take care of their own mental health, which we have to do. however, you've said a couple of times and I, and I want to dig into this a little bit um, mm-hmm. about the systemic and the cultural context that we're in and and the role that that has to play. and I'm curious um what what you've observed through you know the last what are we now 2023 for you know four, three to four years um yeah what what are the big problems and what have you seen changed?
1: Oh mate, um. It, firstly, it's crazy that's like three almost four years. I know. I, I, like <laughs> I know. I just have to calculate that.
0: I know. I had to calculate um, that. I was like,
1: wait, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been that long. I know. Um, yeah. What are the big and what are the sort of small changes? So. I guess the big change is like i said something that i don't think anyone no matter how much funding or good intent they had could make which was literally giving everyone in our community the same experiences and hurdles that from whether you're a freelancer to an exec um there would be some sort of level that you would have to experience yourself or manage or find resources for. So I think that was the catalyst for the biggest change that we see, which is now that, you know, conferences, so like you were saying, like you spoke at no big no yes. Yeah, I um, I was on like a panel discussion with Andy at the design conference or he's like um, asking for a friend, you know, and so it's good to see that these creative platforms, you know, because conferences really are, they set the tone for our industry, um, uh, including these conversations and resources and, you know, people like you are sharing your story and re- research. Um, so I think it's now become, I guess, a seat at the table, which is always a good thing. Um, I guess the thing that I'm seeing that we're still trying to make change for is, um, is, yes, we're a seat at the table, but it's not always a seat that's going to be offered or it's a box that's going to be ticked. So, yes, there will be people that will have an EAP. Um, if we're lucky, they'll have a a haymate where it's a creative industry-focused EAP. But the intent in the box is then ticked and that's it, whereas mm-hmm. – to create change and uh, I guess put that forefront in the workplace, it needs to be a discussion that's done every week. There needs to be resources, um, preventative and proactive support that can be rolled out um, or even, you know, like the Circles group that Amy does, um, the Arts for Collective and Support Act Hotline, like all these things that are, yes, they're for crisis but also preventative and it is something that we need long term you know we're a creative industry we really don't realize that our creativity is monetized which i'm sure we we are aware of but we need to be in peak performance or creative flow quite regularly right so our well-being and being being in that really healthy end of the mental health continuum um which when you think of like physical health think of that as like mental health so like think of like the top end is like super fit you work out regularly you know or the fittest version of yourself whatever that looks like because we're all very different to them being like broken legs in a bed can't move at all like head to toe cast right and And so we have that, but mentally as well, Um, we can be our most um, healthy mentally version of ourselves. And then we can also be in crisis where, you know, the circumstances um, aren't great. So for us to be proactive and produce our jobs, a lot of the time we've got to be at that higher end, right? So it's in our workplaces and our industry's best interest for us to be our most healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves and most supportive, right? We we bring in a lot of money to individuals, to companies, to our economy. Um, we're turned to when everyone in the world has nothing to do. Um, we're not sports stars, but we're basically the equivalent in a lot of the time, you know, so the time and the energy and the investment really has to be there. Um, I guess the things that we still sort of see quite regularly are You know, the things that we'll always have in our job like stress and stress isn't a bad guy. You know, we use the term stress in a really negative connotation a lot of the time, but stress is a hormone and a feeling that we're going to have for the rest of our lives. It doesn't matter if you're a complete Zen master, you're always going to have a little level of stress, obviously, because of the cortisol levels that our body produces naturally. Um, They'll produce when you wake up in the morning. So a good level of stress and a good level of cortisol will get you up. You know, you'll have a shower, have your break, your coffee, you know, if you've got to make it to somewhere on time, it'll get you motivated and moving hopefully to do that. Or if you're like me, maybe five or ten minutes later, but you'll get there eventually, right? So that's a good level of stress or it's something that, you know, if we're working for a, a project, um, we get that sort of level of of stress, adrenaline, cortisol, we'll push through um, in a healthy way, obviously, um, finish it, and then we'll come back to base level and we won't have that sort of continuous level of stress. Um, but I think we're trying to find that that sort of balance at the moment a lot of the time, particularly with what our industries look like post-COVID, like we're open, we're sort of in our second year now of being like fully open and and the world's open and what does that look like what do we need continuously um and so I guess the conversations around that and um how we think as an industry and what we need as an industry and as individuals um is really important you know I spoke at a conference um for like stage text so sound and audio so where I started a couple of weeks ago and these are tech directors of really large venues um, and also community venues in um, council-run theatres. And no one in the room had their mental health first aid, which I don't know if, if you know, but it might be that I'm, because it's in the bubble that I'm in, but during COVID, there was a lot of funding for mental health first aid. You know, if you found somewhere you could get it for nothing or, or for a, small investment, right? And it's a resource that's really valuable in having those conversations with our team members, particularly if we manage staff. Um, but no one had it. And um the feedback was that it's a two-day course. It was prior to COVID. Now it's um a lot shorter. You can get it done in like four hours. So um but it's that what the it was that investment. So that industry, you know, and those leaders that time, those two days of what you needed for that certification, you know, it wasn't there, whereas I guess that conversation about what we're having now, so now they're in the industry that's really unskilled because they had a, a max, mass exodus during COVID. They obviously didn't work for ages, you know, um, screen and television got up eventually. We were one of the places to film if you wanted to film, um, but stage, you know, arenas, you know, we didn't have Ed Sheeran <laughs> performing over COVID in Suncorp or, or anything like that. So, um Yeah, so I guess it's redefining the needs of our industry and and what that looks like, and also the skilled workers that we're going to have through in sort of the next, you know, this year, next year that started uni and their training in COVID, and also now, you know, their expectations of what they're life work balance or or the conditions of what they're happy to work to are very different to what sort of the old guard and the new guard have. Um, I don't think that either party is right because there are certain aspects of our roles like you know if you're in a, a tech you may have to work weekends and evenings and and um, there are aspects that i guess will affect us in some capacity but with the right support and downtime and education you know won't ha- harm us long term and that the psychosocial aspects won't be there um but i also think that yeah hopefully i'm hoping there'll be like it'll come out in the wash and there'll be a really lovely medium or the both parties will be able to meet somewhere because they are um yeah they're very adamant about what they will do they won't do um and they're also aware that they've got like endless options at at their (laughs) at their fingertips right like I think if I did uni or I did my sound in audio and I found out that I could then go and record a podcast on my laptop like mate I would probably still be doing it but um wasn't to be so but yeah so they're probably the the big changes in, in the regular things that we're we're sort of seeing and then also the sort of We're a very transient community, a lot of us, um, whether we're talking at different conferences um, or if we are, you know, on set somewhere or if we're an artist and we're touring um, or exhibiting in different cities. So it's also maintaining those really lovely practices that we put in when we're at home and continuing that when we're on the road, when we're travelling or redefining what that looks like. I find that's also another thing that... um, we're talking about and and sort of trying to put things in place for, um, Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, for sure. And, um, yeah, I just love, I love that because I think people will hear this and they will see themselves both in the creative roles. So the people that are listening who, you know, are, you know, graphic designers, you might work in an agency, you might be corporate side, um, you know, but equally, I think everybody knows someone who is a career creative because we're everywhere and we're in every business now. Um, and so from thinking about it from their perspective, you know, and wanting to either help with the systemic change or um, support their creative friends, their partners, their friends, their family. Um, what a on an individual level now. What is mm. what are some of the common problems that people come to haymate with?
1: Oh, great question. Um, so I guess probably coming back to what I was sort of talking about being creatives. Obviously, like our creative output need needs to meet with our input that we put into ourselves, right and trying to reconcile that and and figure out what that looks like for ourselves as an individual because workplaces can obviously help us with the psychosocial aspects um and hopefully some level of support but they're not going to be able to manage our at-home relationships or our relationships with food and exercise and sleep and any other sort of recreational activities that we have so um yeah so it's sort of making time a lot of the time or, or revisiting that because um, I think we can get stuck in the sort of taking work home with us or, or we'll do freelance stuff on the weekend so we don't have time to then walk the dog or have tea with a friend or a family member or a loved one so or explore something you know I think one of the best things we can do for ourselves and we always overlook it um and I was having this discussion with a friend the other day is a hobby like yes. yeah as creatives yeah we make it we monetize our hobbies right like yeah so the answer will be oh well work is my hobby like work is what my is my fun mm-hmm. which is fantastic that's a great place to be but It's even doing something that might not be creative or you might have some interest in that you're not like professional at or fantastic at. Or you might be, but you don't monetize it and you fill that sort of um, creative cup up, but from like a personal play perspective where the expectations are there, you don't need the client's parameters guidelines expectations feedback like it's really just something for you so like for me that is gardening I will admit that with summer you know I've had to um sort of leave my garden alone a little bit and just focus on my pot plants but like to that for me is is something I really enjoy or reading like i I love reading um My arts degree, I did performing arts and literature, and it was something that I've sort of really let slip for maybe Mm. the last eight or nine years. And like, I went to the library, I got a library membership, and it's just like, I can get books on tap. Like, I should show you the bag of books I picked up, (laughs) like eight or nine books I've got to read in 28 days, which I don't think is realistic, but like, that sort of, yeah. That stuff that isn't monetized that we might enjoy, even if it's just like it's something similar to what you do, but like stepped sideways a bit. So, if it's like a medium that's just slightly different that you don't want to do because you've got to, I don't know, do typography for a client or, or something like that, that's a big thing is just sort of finding that play creative side of ourselves. Because um, as much as like watching a good movie or eating good food or hanging out with our mates is fantastic and we do obviously need it, Um, they don't fulfill us or meet that sort of aspect that we do need. So it fulfills other parts of ourselves. So that's a part that can really be lacking. Um, We also forget that we obviously are transient, like I said, a lot of the time, Um, or we're working remotely um, in big cities and also in rural Australia. So Australia is massive right like um it's such a big country and we've got so many little towns and within them we've got theatres and we've got graphic designers and we've got people that have relocated because of covid and have decided to stay or lifestyle you know things are bloody expensive at the moment and so it makes a lot of sense for us to be relocating to these areas so sometimes the community there may be lacking or we might not um have the contacts that we do so working remotely we can experience a little bit of isolation um for our sort of creative community yeah <laughs> guilty is charged over here I definitely feel that for sure Yeah, yeah, and so it's, and when we're in that sort of isolated, lonely place, it can be really hard to sort of get into that flow and that creative aspect. So um, so that's a really big part of of what we're seeing as well. Um, We're lucky that we do have some sort of like rural arts bodies and things that do put resources out for us, but um, just trying to, I guess, redefine sort of what that looks like and we do have, you know, a lot of the towns, if not the really little ones and like the big ones near. By we'll have some sort of you know meetup group or network group or or creative events to go to so um yes we have to leave the office and like put ourselves out and go to like a creative event once in a while which um like i had to go to an event for this conference a couple of weeks ago and i was like oh my god but i don't know anyone i don't know anyone like um but it was a lot of fun, like it was a lot of fun talking to different people and connecting. So, um, yeah, so th- th- they are probably like a few of the really like high-level things that we do see that are really common. It doesn't matter what you do. If you're a performer, an artist or someone that supports an artist, that's that's absolutely um, some of the really regular things like, yeah, isolation, play, hobbies, making time for ourselves, all those sorts of things.
0: Mm, yeah, no, and the, I think the the hobbies thing is key. Um, cause yeah, what I, what I see a lot with my creativity coaching clients is that they'll come to me when they're just absolutely at the end of their tether, um, with resentment for work and yes. they want to quit, they want to start their own business. They want to, you know, turn, turn, they want to monetize yet another hobby. And it's like, mm. whoa, 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 whoa. Let's back this up a few steps. What are you doing for you is usually one of the first questions. Like what, what practices do you have that, that just help top up the cup that's so Mm -hmm. obviously been drained to its like last few milliliters um, from the work that you do. And so saving something for ourselves is like a huge thing. And, you know, I'd say for those who identify as creative and those that don't, you know, we have to have these practices that give back to us, um, on a different level. That's not, you're right. As you said, that's not social and that it's not physical, but that's creative. That fills our almost like fills our soul cup, not just our mental health cup.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. makes us fulfilled as as a a human being. And I think like, you're absolutely right. Saying that it, it doesn't depend whether you're like a creative or someone who just works in the industry, or even if you're like an athlete or a tradie, like finding those hobbies, um, You know, that's why, like, community sport is such a a huge part of, like, rural communities, right, because it's a hobby and it's a way we connect but also we fulfil our cup. Um, Yeah, so it doesn't matter who you are and it also helps with our sense of identity, you know, like, as much as we may think it sometimes, what we do isn't who we are. We're actually a lot of other things and we were prior and we will be after. Um, And having these other activities and sense of purpose, you know, um, Ash is, like, a key example of that. Um, And and I guess with professional athletes, it's a huge part of the development work that they do is making sure that they've got a sense of self and other things that they pursue and enjoy. So they're not just focused on on sport or or whatever it is that they do for a living. So Mm. yes, we do have to make time, which is very hard. It's one of the hardest things we can do, but it's the best thing that you can do for yourself um your professional development clients and family as well. So
0: preach, preach. It's not nobody said this was going to be easy. That's why I keep saying yeah. to myself. No, there was no there was no little asterisk that said this is going to be easy, you know, in the fine print. Like that was never a promise. Um Oh, this has been so delightful and there's just so, there's so much more I know that we could cover, um, but I want to give people an opportunity to sit and mull and digest on everything that we've discussed today. So, um, just to sort of wrap things up if we can, um, I wanted to know what you, what you're working on at the moment with Hey Mate, do you have any focuses or is there any way that people can support you or get involved?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um so for this year we're we're really just focusing on the services that we've got already, I guess, but um really we're focusing on our community level. So um hopefully we're getting out there a bit more grassroots as things like events and conferences are back. So hopefully you'll be seeing us face to face a lot more, which is really exciting. Um, and we also are still developing our, our work stuff. Um, we've got a training that will be coming out later this year. Um, but, you know, I think the one thing that I found out through hey Nate, um, and I think it's also as creatives when it comes to, uh, I guess, clients and supporting or, or just, I guess, wanting to support and you sort of cause word of mouth, is the best thing we could do. Like I could spend so much money on advertising, but the biggest leaps in um, community or or finding well-aligned partnerships with organizations has always been through like word of mouth and sharing the work that we're doing. So, um, so that's always a really lovely way, uh, yeah. Or if you do have something that is coming up and you think Hey Mate would be good to pop up, but you know, physically zoomly remotely um we're happy to do that as well but yeah i think just having the conversation and and continuing it and being an advocate for it and for us as a as an enterprise but also for all the others that are part of the landscape it's something that um is changing and will continue to change so yeah
0: yeah and i think too i think um as part of that process you know not And having, being a little bit brave and being the person to start those conversations with your friends, with your family, with your workplace, rather than sitting and stewing and saying, why aren't we having these conversations? Yes. (laughs) I think, I think it's so easy. Um, It's so easy to take the, to take the high road, to take the back road. But um, if we want to see change, you know, it really does have to start from, from the ground up. Um, And, you know, I want everyone to know that, you know, no matter you know, what type of creative you are or wh- wh- where you sit in the ecosystem that you do actually uh, have a voice and you have agency and you can, you know, hitch your ride to this bandwagon. Because we need we need more people to help us push this message out. So um, I am so so grateful for this conversation. Uh, and if um, people are listening and they've loved it, share it with someone who's never even heard of Hey Mate or me, <laughs> and, yeah. and spread the word, right? Because that's that's how we that's how we do good things with good people. Um, so uh, in the spirit of that, where can people find you? How can they um, connect with you uh, online, offline, etc.? on any line
1: <laughs> yeah um so on the socials it's the haymate project like i said we started with that and we're still with that um but if you can't remember that um go into google and type haymate and we'll be up there so um and we're on all the platforms um except tiktok which i'm still reconciling but um <laughs> i think a lot get, of us yeah. are
0: still reconciling tiktok
1: <laughs> yeah yeah but all the others we're on and link in and all those good things but um but yeah that's where you'll find us and that's where you can connect with us so and however you want to connect phone email socials um we've always got someone available so
0: carry carry a pigeon
1: carry a pigeon i love birds so yeah of course
0: (laughs) amazing thank you so much uh for your time amy and your generosity and your wisdom um it's been an absolute treat and uh yeah can't wait to just keep 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 riding this wave. I'm
1: excited. Thank you.
0: There you have it, friends. Another amazing episode. I told you, I told you that one was going to be a good one. And I'm so grateful that you stuck around for the entire thing. I have so many big interviews coming up that I can't wait to share with you that are going to be doubling down on this conversation between creativity and mental health. So stay tuned and we'll see you next time. Bye.